0: Uh, listen, if you got your scripture, I want to invite you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 today. Uh, we're going to dive pretty quick into it, and it's and it's pretty straightforward. But before we do that, I've got just a few things that I want to go over with everyone, and just to kind of give everyone some updates. Uh, this has been the strangest start to 2022, or really to any year that I can remember, especially being in ministry, because I have not preached since January like 3rd. Um, here in person, which is weird because it's been like six or seven weeks into the new year. Are you guys enjoying 2022? Anyone? Like like three people. All right. The rest, we're going to pray for breakthrough. Okay. Um, but it's it's been weird. And so if you don't know uh, we got hit with COVID, or I got hit with COVID, and then the family got hit with COVID, and then Christy was dealing with COVID, the COVID aftermath, right? Um, and then, uh, you know, I was going to be here two weeks ago, and then Andrea is like, I've prepared. I'm like, you know, you need to preach. And um, so I'm excited to be here today. So uh, it's going to be good. And then I'm also going to be here next week, which I'm really excited about. Um, and then um, Pastor Kevin and ori Kevin, however you want to call him, he's going to be preaching the last Sunday of this month and just shout out to everyone who is on our teaching team here from Kevin and Tony and Nathan and Andrea and um, yeah give it up for them because because we would not be able to do church the way we do without them and, and you know speaking of church, uh, this past week we had an opportunity. For Albany, Brooklyn, and Staten Island, almost all of the staff to get together, Um, and we had a few people that were out, but it's all right. We forgive them; they were there via Teams video screen, right? So, um, but it was it was really cool just for us to all be able to collab with Albany, Brooklyn, and Staten Island. Uh, and one of the things that I want to let you guys know is Pastor Gary, who is the campus pastor in Staten Island, he is going to be kicking off a Lent series. Uh, that we want to encourage everyone to be a part of. And and what he's going to be doing is, uh, on Wednesday night, he's going to be walking through a book called The Pursuit of Holiness and encouraging all of us to fast sweets during Lent. Now, if you grew up Roman Catholic, you probably know what Lent is. Uh, it's a time where you prepare yourself for what God is going to do on the resurrection or Easter Sunday. If you grew up in a non-Catholic or a non-mainline denominational church, uh, like I did, you would have thought that, oh, uh, you know, celebrating Lent is legalistic. It's a sin. And, you know, uh, you're in bondage. And that's how I grew up. I kid you not. It wasn't until, like, I found out that this has been going on in the church for 2,000 years that I was really able to enter into it and to be able to celebrate um, with the people of God. And so I want to encourage us all. Uh, We will have books here next Sunday. And they're going to be, I don't know how much they are, Like five bucks, ten bucks, whatever it is, Um, we'll have it available for you guys next Sunday. And we would just love for you guys. And it's going to be done via Zoom at seven o'clock on Wednesday nights. And so you can uh, join him. And then the other thing I want to just shift to is Andrea kind of talks about it. We are preparing to move into the new building uh, in hopefully a few months. Um, I'm hoping that soon we can start counting weeks instead of months. All right. And so. But in preparation for that, you're going to see a few things different. Really, starting next week here at City Church, um, and that is we we like to worship, all right. And and sometimes we get a little crazy with our worship and a little loud. And um, and because of COVID and so many people watching online, and uh, shout out to everyone who's home watching right now. We actually dialed back our worship set to like 15 to 20 minutes. Um, and so we're flipping that now and starting next week, we're going to start pushing into uh, a greater time of worship and just kind of going back to that aspect of things. And so I'm excited about that. The other thing that, that we're going to do is we're going to start uh, and I've already said this as a church, but we're going to start um, partaking in the Lord's Supper more and more as a church. And, and I think we're going to try a few different things uh, as we enter into that space. But the goal is, is that this will become a weekly thing that we do, because Scripture is very clear. When you gather, uh, do this in His name. And so we want to be followers of Jesus and followers of the New Testament uh, and the Scripture that's laid out. And so um, all of that's going to be, be starting to take place. You're going to see a few minor tweaks and um, a little bit more pumped up and, and all that stuff uh, than how we have been. We're not going to do anything fancy up here. Uh, We're saving all that for the new building, and uh, I'm excited about that. I I cannot wait. I'll just get it that way, and I am also sore. And then the last thing that I have is uh, for all of you parents, um, if you've got a child from um, in your womb all the way to, you know, 18 years old, we did make an announcement. I I can't say his name, uh, but if you have questions, uh, please come see me afterwards. We have officially hired our next-gen pastor, and they are going to be moving up here um, in the next few months with the anticipated start date of June 1st, and I love this guy. Um, His wife seems pretty cool. His wife seems totally way cooler than me, Uh, and they've got two awesome kids, Um, and the only reason I'm not publicly saying his name is because this is being streamed right now, and we want them to be able to have the opportunity to share with their Uh, students that they're currently uh, ministering to. But they're from the northeast, and then they've been in uh, the south for a little while, and so they're coming back home in Jesus' name. And so I'm excited. So that's going to be taking place. All right, you guys ready? Y'all ready? I'm ready. All right, there we go. Hey, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and I'm actually going to back up to chapter 5 because I want to make sure that I put this in context. And shout out to Nathan for last week as well. Um, he's like, hey, it wasn't my best sermon, but it was my quickest sermon. It was like 21 minutes, and I was like, all right, hey, that, that works. And, um, but today I will try not to talk for more than like two hours, so you guys just bear with me. Uh, but Second Corinthians chapter five is kind of this hinge point in uh, this letter to the church in Corinth, and, and 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 what I mean by that is you start to see this massive shift in the way that Paul starts addressing things, um, and and honestly, in Second Corinthians five, it is the simplistic. A simplistic message of the gospel. Uh, I think the only other thing that you can get that could be more simplistic is I desire mercy over sacrifice in Hosea 6.6. 6. But right here, you, you have Jesus or you have Paul um, who's talking about the ministry of reconciliation. And I want to back up to, to verse 20, so that we get the understanding. And the reason I want to do this is because when the scripture was written, it was not written, Paul was not sitting there saying, This is going to be chapter 5, verse 20, verse 21, and so forth. And so, like, no, it was one long letter. And then what happened was Paul took that. Um, passed it out, and then scholars over the years of like 350 A.D., they were like, we need to make it easier for people, and so they added chapters and verses, and that's how we got the Bible today. A uh, little bit of history lesson, but to back it up, uh, I want to start in chapter 5, go into chapter 6, so that you get the context of what it is that Paul is addressing right here, and it says this, Therefore, Therefore, meaning like this is my appeal to you, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Meaning, make sure that your, your life, make sure your relationship is in right standing with God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then we appeal you to not receive the grace of God in vain. You you see how that works right there, that that nice little flow? If I start at verse 1 right there, it's just like, working together with him. Well, who's him? What are we talking about right here? What's going on? Um, But if you, you tie it up to we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ, working together with him to implore the world to be reconciled to God. And, and ultimately, that's what it is that Jesus has invited us to do. It's much more than, than just having a uh, good job, which I'm all about good jobs, or a good 401k or 50403b or, or um, you know, whatever it may be, or, or hitting big on NFTs or whatever new coin is going on out there. Anybody? Look, I learned about MetaMask the other day, and I was like, "This is so complicated. I don't know if you know. Anyone know what MetaMask is? Yeah, okay. Like one person, right? And it's the tech guy in the room, you know. Um, go Google it and go YouTube it and stuff. But anyways, um, our life has such deeper substance and significance than than what it is that maybe we would think of. We are invited into something. And and this something is us partnering, being co-laborers with God as he reconciles the world back to himself. Meaning God desires to take a Genesis 1 world which is picture perfect and us being in community with God and enjoying life with God and and walking and talking in the presence of God that was then fractured in Genesis chapter 3 whenever sin entered in the world. God's ultimate goal is to restore restore the whole earth, Ephesians 1.10, back to that Genesis 1 state. To where we are walking in relationship with him. We are breathing and we are experiencing the presence of God in all that we do. And I just think it's beautiful that we see we are working together with God. Then we appeal to you to not receive the grace of God in vain. Verse 2, for he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in the day of salvation I have come to help you. Behold, now is that favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, meaning now is the day that we're able to enter in. Now is the day that we are able to partner And I've got some great news for you. You know, I, I, I love whenever people are like, I just don't feel qualified. Guess what? Right here, now is the day that you should be qualified because you weren't qualified by man, you're qualified by God, by him placing that seal on your heart, which sounds super spiritual for me just saying like, Jesus chose you. Jesus chose you, and because you are chosen with God, you are now able to be a partner, a co-laborer, a worker with God. I I, I love what one pastor says. It's an opportunity for us to represent God to the world or represent Christ to the world, to represent God to the world. This, This means at work we are ambassadors of reconciliation. In our homes, we are ambassadors of reconciliation. In our schools, we are ambassadors of reconciliation. On 787, we are ambassadors of reconciliation. Can I get an amen? Look, tell them that they are number one in a holy way, all right? In a holy way. So we are ambassadors of reconciliation. We've been invited into that. And then he says, do not take the grace of God in vain. Now, you might be sitting here saying, well, all right, I don't, I don't quite understand the grace of God. And, and so let, let me break this down for you. There's two types of grace out there. There's common grace, and then there's um, salvation grace or saving grace. Common grace is available to all for all. doesn't matter whether you believe in Jesus or you don't believe in Jesus. This is why you've got wicked men who work extremely hard and are able to make millions and billions of dollars, and then you get mad at them and you want to tax them more money, right? Well, that did not sit well right there. That, that, you know, um, But uh, I wish my mom was here, Mom. I know you're watching right now. She sends me all these videos on all these. Anyways, we won't get to that, y'all that know my mom. Anyways, but you've got these wicked men who, who they work hard and they play the system and they, they invest really aggressively and, and what happens, they receive a blessing from their work. This is, this is what it is. It, this is common grace. This is, this is why if you go and you build this table and, and you, know, you cut down the tree and you saw it and you, you put the legs together and you, you know, sand it down and you stain it. And then you're able to sit there and you eat a T-bone steak and drink a fine glass of wine. You're able, to enjoy, you're able to enjoy the blessing of your work. That is common grace. It's available to all, for all, whether you're a believer or not a believer. But then there's saving grace. And saving grace is only available for those who have embraced the blood of Jesus Christ. Which means there is an elect. I'm not talking about Calvinism versus Arminianism. I'm talking about Ephesians 1, Scripture, all right? There is an elect that is set apart by God and for God, who we have the free will of whether or not we're going to enter into that. in in that saving grace, that saving grace is available for all, but is all people going to receive it? No. No. But those that do receive it, man, those that enter into that grace, it is glorious, it is beautiful, it is fulfilling, and it satisfies you. And what Paul's saying, don't take that grace in vain. Well, let me put it this way. Don't take it for granted. And, and this, is, this is some of the ways that we take it for granted. We, when we sin, we feel no remorse. When we sin, we just say, oh, it's covered by the blood. Thank you, Jesus. When we sin, it doesn't lead us to a place of repentance. Listen, I'm, I'm here to tell you As your pastor, I believe I should be the lead repenter in this this house, in this community. And I want to encourage all of us to lean into a lifestyle of repentance. And repentance is not like getting on the threshing floor, which is, you know, a mat that they talk about in the Old Testament. You're just like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm a wicked person. I'm horrible. You know, strike me down, God. That's not what I'm talking about, Right. And I know that some, of, some of y'all, that's your prayer life. It's just like, God, I'm horrible. You're not horrible. I mean, you are horrible, but God didn't make you horrible, right? And so in Christ, you're not horrible anymore. I mean, if you're in yourself, then you are horrible. But, but having that constant lifestyle of repentance is simply just approaching the throne of grace and saying, God, I messed up and I need you more. I need your spirit to empower me so that I could live a life of righteousness and holiness, a life that is pleasing to you. A life that sets an example and sets me apart from other people. A, a life that that allows me to be who it is that you've actually called and created me to be, and I've only got 13 minutes. Are you serious? Like I'm looking in that, somebody fix that timer. We're only on verse three, and I've got the, we're not doing the whole chapter today, all right? So that's good news. Verse three, here we go. And and this is I'm I'm you guys that know me, you know I'm about to get really fired up. You guys that don't know me, I'm about to get really fired up, all right? And so this is, this is like, this is what really ticks with me. Um, verse 3, he says this, We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. All right, I stinking love that passage right there. We put no obstacle in anyone's way of Jesus. Listen, how often do we put obstacles in the way of people coming to Jesus? How often do we get in the way and and, and we say, you've got to vote a certain way. If you vote that way, there's no way that you could be a Christian, you heathen, you know, like repent, you know, I'm I'm joking, right? But there are seriously people out there like that. And and what's happened is we put these these things in the way of Jesus Christ, and and we've given them a false narrative of who Jesus is, which is ultimately taking them from the beauty and the simplicity and the purity of Jesus Christ. And, And so this is something that gets me so fired up, and I want to give you guys an example. I'm going to do this. This is my example in just a minute. It'll make sense. But, but let, me, let, me, um, let me say this. This is one way that we do this. This is one way. We become a stumbling block or an obstacle for people because of our inconsistent walk with God. I, w- I want you to think about that. Let that sink in. Let me give you an example. I get saved, 17 years old, Waffle House parking lot, about to get high. Jesus meets me, <laughs> And I'm on fire for Jesus. And I'm like, oh, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Oh, Jesus is great. Jesus is amazing. Until that one day that it's like, hey, come to a party. I'm like, I don't know. You know, and this is for all of you high schoolers, this is what I dealt with. All right. I don't know if it's the same temptation. You guys have got TikTok now. So I I, I don't know. You know, I don't even know what a TikTok is. You know, was, I look, I do. I got sucked in the other night till 2 a.m. Father, forgive me. Um, but listen. Um, Hey, let's go to this party. I don't know. All right, I'm going to go to this party. I go to this party, and next thing I knew, they're doing stuff that I knew I shouldn't be doing. Um, I'm engaging into stuff that I knew I shouldn't be doing, and here's how I knew I shouldn't be doing it. As I was doing it, I felt the conviction of God. I felt like God being like, I didn't create you and call you to do that and to be that, and meanwhile, I'm like, well, I'm just going to do it anyways. That is taking advantage of the grace of God, And that is also me being a stumbling block. And it wasn't until Lisa Kim piped up in this little house party thing, and she goes, hey, 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 what happened to you being in love with Jesus? I mean, I still, you hypocrite. And she was right. And she wasn't a believer, but she was right because I was like the Jesus freak. You know, what would people do if they, you know, and, for anyone born after 2000, just, I don't know. It's okay. But like, she was right. I, and I was, I was an obstacle for her to see the simplicity and the purity of God. And in the same way, we do this in our churches. We, we put these things in front of God. I need, I need something. I'm just going to use my, my music stand, all right? So th- I wasn't going to do this, but you just got to understand. If this is Jesus, it's water, he is the living water that's in the scripture, all right, so just bear with me. If that is Jesus, what happens is we start to put things in the way of who Jesus is. We, we do it like this. got to vote Republican. Um. You, you can't. Can't show up to church if you got a... This is horrible. I should have planned this out. Can't show up to church if you got a hat on. You got to be a member of the church to belong. You can't... You smoke cigarettes? (laughs) Repent! Like, dude, I don't even know what repentance is, and it isn't cigarettes. It's something else, you know? It's like... You do that, you horrible... Person, there's no way. Like, I literally know churches that have said if you're smoking, you can't go onto the property of the church parking lot. And I'm like, you've got a person who obviously has an addiction or a problem who's coming into the house of God to be with other people who have got addictions and problems. They're just private about it because it isn't a public sin, and you're going to embarrass them. All that does is become an obstacle in who Jesus is, and what they see is here's this mad old man or this you know angry woman who gets in my face and ends up saying you can't do this in the house of God blah 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 and it's like man I don't even know what the house of God is I just want to pray I just want to pray And what Paul is saying is me and my ministry are not going to do anything that is going to keep people from the purity of Jesus, the simplicity of Jesus, and the nature and the grace of Jesus Christ. In church, it is time for us as individuals and as people who are a part of City Church to elevate Jesus and everything else becomes secondary. Everything else becomes secondary. So what? You don't have it like Bethel? That's fine. Keep your mouth shut and promote Jesus. So, so what? You voted for Biden? Keep your mouth shut and, and you know promote Jesus. Oh, you voted for Trump? So what? Let's keep our mouth shut and, and promote Jesus above all things because I'm tired of people seeing our political view instead of our Jesus view whenever it comes to things on this earth. Now, let me make this very clear. I am not talking about right here us uh, standing up for righteousness and justice and political values that align with the Word of God, Okay. What I'm talking about is us promoting one side or another side over the kingdom of Jesus. You guys tracking with me? Uh, Listen, I told you I was going to get all fired up. Kathy, here's your water. There's my cell phone. i got to get my calorie steps in, my count steps. Look, it's great whenever I preach because I move a lot. It's like you just walked three miles, and I'm like, oh, did I now? (laughs) Makes me feel so Good. And and let me just, let me say this, all right, and this is a quick reference, and I promise you this next portion, I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to move quickly, all right? Acts chapter 15 is the first board meeting in the church, and the argument was, for the men, whether or not the the Jewish or the non-Jewish people, the Gentiles, could be followers of Jesus if they weren't circumcised. And so what the Jewish Christians were saying is, one, they got to follow the law of Moses, Two, they have to go have a surgical operation. And then three, then you can be a part of the Jesus community. And Paul's big argument with this was, no, that's not right. And and they had this huge debate, and Peter's getting mad, and Paul's getting mad, and they're having, it's, it's just like a typical board meeting. They're just fighting with each other. I'm joking. Our board meetings are not like that. We actually love one another, okay? And and so they're arguing, and then James, the brother of Jesus, pipes up, and he says, therefore, it is my judgment. It's my judgment. Hey, I grew up with Jesus. His room was always clean. He always listened to Mom. Like, he never did anything wrong. Like, I grew up with Jesus. Therefore, it is my judgment. We should not make it difficult for those who were turning to God, meaning we shouldn't put all of these legality and obstacles in the way of people who want to be a part of the Jesus community and a follower of Jesus. So what? They've got a lot of sin to deal with. Let Jesus and the Holy Spirit and them getting in house, church, and community, let let God work that out that way. You're not God. Shut your mouth. He continues on, and, and I told you, all right, we're still in verse 3. We put no obstacle in any ways, so that no fault may be found in our ministry. And this is, this is the last thing I'm going to say. And I'm going to brag on um, one person who's not here, but she's watching online right now. And that is Jen Waltersdorf. Anyone know Jen Waltersdorf? Yeah. Jen, we love you. Jim, we love you too, her husband. Um, but what I love about Jen Waltersdorf is she has got such integrity that she wants it to where there's no fault in the ministry of City Church. Meaning, like, this doesn't just count for us being an example and being consistent in our relationship with God. This also counts with how we handle our money and what our bylaws say and what the policies that are going to be put in place around your kids and who serves in in kids and who doesn't serve in kids. And, And here's the thing, so that... So that no man or no woman will be ever able to come and say, look at what that church did and have some kind of ridiculous scandal. And, and I can honestly say, would you agree? It, is, it drives me nuts sometimes. I'm just like, I want to go play paintball in the new building before we start. Michael, you can't do that. We have to be men and women of integrity. And if you're going to do that, you have to sign this waiver that essentially is signing your life, And you know. Um, And so, all right, let me continue on. All right, verse 4. You guys ready? I got two minutes. That's a lie. It feels good to be back. Verse 4. But, all right, let me stop there. I'm joking. I'm joking. But we're going to read verses 4 through 10. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. By great endurance in afflictions, hardship, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labor, sleepless nights, hunger, verse six, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors, and yet we are true. As unknown, and yet we are known. As dying, and behold, we live. As punished, and yet not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing every thing. I, I love that, because if, if you start to, to look at what it is that Paul's saying right there, is he's saying this is what the world sees, but this is the eternal perspective of what's happening right here. Like, like for instance, you see hardship and affliction, and I see purity and the knowledge of God coming upon our life. I, I see beatingment and imprisonment, or you see beatings and imprisonment, I see genuine love and the power of God. I see dishonor and slander. Like, come on, Paul was being dishonored all the time. Paul was being slandered about all the time. We're going to read about this in chapters 10 and chapters 12 when we get there in a few weeks. But, but Paul said, no, 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 y'all slander us. We're just going to offer more praise to God. Do, do you see what's going on here? It's, it's this is what we see in our earthly perspective, or this might be what the world sees, but this is what's really going on here. He continues, you guys see imposters, yet we're the, we're the ones who are speaking the truth, and we're speaking the truth in genuine love. I, I think about that, and how that equates to our culture today. I think about how it equates to uh, different things that we see take place in today, especially with our children and students as they're being indoctrinated in ridiculous things in our school systems. Yeah, like, no, this is true. No, what's true for you might not be true for me. So what's true for me is true for me, and what's not, that isn't the case for you. Well, if that's the thing, then there's no such thing as absolute truth, and all things that are true would actually not be true, which kind of cancels out itself. But we teach this idea of run with your feelings and your emotions and your happiness while discrediting the absolute truth of what's taking place. He, he continues on unknown to the world, but known by God. Unknown to the world, but known by God. I would rather be unknown to a thousand people, and be known by God than anything else. I want to be known by God. I want to be in community, in communion with God. Poor, you see me as poor, yet as I preach, I'm making people rich. And you see me as possessing nothing. But I tell you, and I could just imagine Paul writing this, Corinthians, you see me as possessing nothing but I possess everything, because I've got Jesus. I've got Jesus, and he is everything. He will be everything, and he will satisfy every desire in my heart and in my life. You can even literally go down this list. Honor will fail you. The uh, praise from other men will fail you. Having a lot of stuff will fail you, but I've got Jesus. He says in Philippians chapter 2, he says, to live as Christ is to die and gain. Meaning, I, I'm going to live my life in a way that brings honor and glory to Christ, and if I die in the process, I get Jesus. And so, that's okay. That's okay. Right right now, and Christy, you can go on and, and come up and, and play and stuff, but I was reading an article, um, just with what's going on with the Russian-Ukraine crisis, and and the State Department literally this past weekend contacted this missionary, and and um, he said, "Hey, we, we want to get you out of Ukraine, this American missionary. We want to get you out of Ukraine because of what's going on." And he's like, "I'm not I'm not leaving Ukraine." He's like, "Okay, but you do understand, Ukraine's about to get bombed. Like we're about to be at war." With Russia and Ukraine is going to, uh, or Russia is going to invade Ukraine. We all have seen the news. We've all seen what's going on. And this missionary said, I'm not leaving. And, And I love that because there's a boldness in that of like, hey, the Ukrainians matter to God. And my ministry here in Ukraine that I've spent the past decade building matters to God. And so I'm going to live as Christ. And if I die, I get Jesus, and I'm going to be okay. And listen, I don't know this missionary's name. I don't know if he's there with him and his wife or if it's a family or what. But I know that one of the major news outlets reported that this missionary is refusing to go because there's still work that needs to be done. And he gets Jesus. He gets Jesus. God forbid something happens. He gets Jesus. Now, I know us in our American Western culture, we're probably like, that's crazy. I would never do that. But that's the life that we're invited into to be co-laborers with Christ, to be co-workers with Christ. Let me wrap up. We're at the very last passage of Scripture now. You ready? And we'll continue on next week. For we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. And in return, I speak to you as children, widen your hearts also. See, what I love about the Apostle Paul is the Apostle Paul had a deep, deep affection for the church. Deep affection. I'm, I'm not talking about like, oh, I just go to that church and they're really cool, and sometimes the guy wears a beanie and he yells a lot, like a lot, you know. It's like, but obviously, we're not talking about here, we're talking about the church down the road, you know. But Paul had a deep affection for his brothers and his sisters in Corinth. He loved the church. I think sometimes we look at the church as a transactional ministry that will serve us instead of a community that we are invited to enter into. What can the church do for me instead of what can I do to be a part of this community? The same thing that Paul was addressing right here 2,000 years ago is the very same thing that we see and we experience in churches today is you've got pastors and leaders and elders who've got deep affection for the church, and you've got people who will go to church and look at it as how it can serve them instead of how they can enter in to being a part of a community. Listen, if you're a guest with us today, I want you to know we do not have it all together. We don't. We, we try to do things with honor and integrity, but we don't have it all together. We are not perfect, and we may not be the right fit for you, and that is Okay. But one thing I know that City Church has is we have a community of believers who love Jesus and who are willing to walk with you through high parts, through low parts, through the great mountaintops, and whenever you're experiencing hell, whenever you're frustrated and angry, and whenever you've experienced a loss, and whenever you're sitting there and you just won the lottery, just make sure you tithe off of that. I love this community. And this is what we are called into. I love the men that God has allowed to be placed around me. I love my wife and how she calls me out all the time. Now, granted, she is my wife and we live together, and so it's a little bit different. But I love the fact that I'm around people who say, hey, Michael, I think you're pushing this too much. Or, Michael, you need to back off. Or, Michael, you need to check your heart with that. Because it isn't this hierarchical thing that's out there. It's a community of broken people who have been redeemed by God and are trying to walk in honor and integrity and righteousness and holiness and are able to enter into the discussion to where we all get more of Jesus. And I absolutely love that. That is why we push House Church so much here. And this is why we are going to be multiplying house churches. And if you don't know what house church is, you can see Andrew or you can see Lauren as soon as we dismiss in about 7 minutes. But like I love house church because house church is people taking the word of God, living in community, in a community breaking it apart, sharing a meal and doing life together the way that the New Testament church called us. Wait, the way Paul called us to live. The way Jesus called us to live. Do we get it all right? No. Do we offend each other? Yeah. I'm offended by Nathan every time I talk to him, you know? Like, I'm joking. I'm really not. Just every other time. The other day, I was like, do you have no soul? And he's like, no, I don't know, (laughs) you know? I, I don't remember what we were talking about. We were having a spiritual conversation, I think, about morality or something like that. And, um, it was good. That makes it sound like you're really bad. That's, I just want to read. That's one of those. I just want to retract that statement. He is, he loves Jesus. Um, I see his daily Bible plan. I know he's reading his scripture. I know he's praying. He prays for me. So I'm just going to, anyways, let's wrap up. Let me just say this, and, um, then I'm going to pray and we're going to sing a song and then we can get out of here. There is nothing as beautiful as gospel-centered community, which is not just a buzzword, it is who we are. We are a gospel-centered community, united in loving God and one another. There's nothing more beautiful than seeing the people of God enter into this space and pray with one another, bleed with one another, rejoice with one another, and see the Holy Spirit enter into that and come alive and do something beautiful. And and here's the thing, here's my promise. It's messy, it's hard, you're going to get tired, but oh, the joy of experiencing the fullness of God. Oh, the joy of entering into the suffering, but also the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're invited into. And this is why I love this community. Because we're going to rejoice. We're going to mourn. We're going to pray. We're going to be the church. We're going to be the church. And it's something that we all have an opportunity to do. Will you stand to your feet with me this morning? Listen, I'm going to pray. And if you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you to come and get prayer. And we just want to help you get to know Jesus. But if you need prayer for anything else, man, I want to also encourage you with that. Like, we are a praying church. We, we literally are praying all the time. We have a campus in Brooklyn that is praying all the time and a campus in Staten Island that is praying all the time for us up here and vice versa. We love Jesus and we love the people of God and we believe God answers prayers. And so we want to pray with you if you need prayer. And for the rest of us, I just want to encourage us to lean in to what it is that God is doing in this time and in this space in our community here as a church. Father, I just thank you for your love. God, I thank you for your grace. And Lord, I just ask that... As we enter into this time of worship, Father, that you would just speak to us, that you would be with us, and that, God, you would just manifest yourself to us, in us, and through us, that you would get glory and honor and praise in our worship, that you would get glory and honor and praise in our hardship, and in everything that we do, God, would bring forth your kingdom. God, we love you. Father, I love this church. And I thank you for what it is that you're doing in this.